0: You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.
1: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Backstage Talk. This is your host Martin Acuña speaking and today we have another special guest. We have Juan Caballer. He is from Spain living right now in New York. He is a musical theater performer and I am really happy to be with him right now, having this chat. So, Hello. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited. Nervous uh-uh. and excited.
0: No, don't be nervous. It's all good.
1: <laughs> okay, so one, tell us a little bit about yourself.
0: About myself? Um, hi, um, I'm Juan Caballero. I was born and raised in Spain. Um, and currently, I am an actor in, in New York City. I fell in love with musical theater when I was about five or six years old, and I saw Peter Pan on stage, and from the moment I saw it, I was like, I need to do this. I don't know for a living, but I was like, I want to be part of that. And uh, I was very lucky because I went to an international school, and they, they had a lot of English teachers. And we had an English teacher in Spain um, that would do musical theater in, in high school or during like uh, my school experience which is very rare in Spain, like that does not happen. Or at least it didn't happen back then. So I was very lucky to do roles as Joseph, I, we did Bombay Dreams, we also did some Shakespeare, and I got to play all these roles and I fell in love with doing theater, you know? And every time there would come, there would be a show in town, I would make my, fa- my parents um, take me to, to the show because I wanted to see it. Um, and it got to a point that I was like the oldest person um, in this theater class. So I was like, you know what, maybe I should start taking class. And there's a school uh, called Coco Comín. And uh, she is a very famous choreographer in Spain and she has this musical theater school and they offer musical theater program during the weekend. So I got to do like, during the week I would go to school and in the weekends I would go and learn about musical theater. And we would take acting, singing, jazz, ballet, tap, a little bit of everything. And I completely fell in love with musical theater then but because I had such a good level of English, because of my school, I I became doing re- I started doing research, and I fell in love even more with musical theater. I became a really nerdy musical theater freak, you know, like we all are.
1: Like we all are.
0: Exactly. <laughs> and uh, and I would ask my teachers in, in this school about Sondheim and about other things that I had learned by myself, and they wouldn't they weren't able to. To teach me because they they wouldn't know i it got to a point that i felt like i knew more than my teachers so i was like if i really want to learn about musical theater i have to leave spain and that was in a different time than right now because right now spain is really good with musical theater yeah there's so much theater opportunities Everywhere. so we're talking about that this was eight years ago when it was starting to happen but i was like if i really want to learn about this i gotta go somewhere else and i learned about this school amda that they have a campus in new york and a campus in la and they offer a bfa in musical theater and i told my parents you know i want to do this and they were like well we don't know maybe just do the audition and if it happens great if not we'll we'll look for something else you know, not not really like believing that i would get it and but i flew to london i did the audition and i got in with the scholarship and they were like you know what we're all in like let's do this So when I was 18, I packed my bags and I I moved to LA because that's where they do the eight semester BFA program. And um, that's where I studied musical theater. And I got to do a semester in New York City too. So that was really great too.
1: What was your best experience at AMDA?
0: My best experience at AMDA?
1: I mean... Was it the people, the teachers, the way they taught?
0: Well, first, like my first semester was incredible because I went from being the only really nerd that I knew in Spain about musical theater, speaking in a room full of musical theater nerds that knew more about me, you know? And all of a sudden I could have conversations about the subjects that I loved. So that was amazing. You know, my first semester teacher was Thomas O'Leary who was a, who was Phantom in Phantom of the Opera on Broadway. You know, and I also had uh, Shandra Schwartz who I, ha- I had seen as Glinda on tour and then she, all of a sudden she was my teacher. So that was very exciting. What I loved about Amda in L.A. in particular is that it it focuses on musical theater, of course, but it tackles other things like acting for camera or we took piano classes. And um, I was able to expand my horizons beyond just musical theater, you know, and I learned how to play piano there. And, and now I play chords, and that's amazing, you know. So You can yeah. do
1: yourself tapes.
0: <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I love Amda. I, I do think about Amda. um there are a lot of lazy students, which I don't understand how. So you got to make the most out of it. If, if you're lazy, you won't get anywhere. The teachers won't care about you, but if you're willing to put in the work, you are in good hands.
1: And you've been back to AMDA to give, um, talks, right?
0: Yeah, I do these Q and A's every night, once in a while. I just did one a couple of weeks ago and it's for new students or for students that are just accepted, uh, to help them, yeah, guide through this AMDA journey. It was very interesting last time I did it because most of the the students were international. So they had a lot of questions for me as someone who is from outside yeah. um, and getting to do this for a living.
1: Cool. Now that, that you comment that most of those students were international, one of the main discussion topics so I want to talk with you is being an immigrant right now in the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've been there for almost eight years. And mm-hmm. how has your experience being as an immigrant performer?
0: It's, it's been a journey. I always say it's, it's, it's really hard, but it's not impossible. You know, getting the visa in the first place is, is really hard. When I graduated from AMDA, I had... Uh, when I, with my student visa, you get a year that you get to work in the United States. It's called the OPT. In this year, if you wanna get the artist visa, which is the visa that I'm in right now, you have to work really, really hard this year. Um, I, I did six shows and a reading, and that's something that I will never do in my career again. I stayed in LA cause I knew that there'll be less competition, but it was a year that I was basically like rehearsing one show during the day, performing another show during the night. Some mornings I had auditions, some like, and some were in LA and the other one in San Diego and I'd be traveling. I barely got any sleep, but I worked my ass off and I, I got the visa. And then is when I decided to move to New York.
1: And which were those six shows you did in that year?
0: Uh, Well, my first show actually was from one of my tap teachers in college, uh, John Engstrom, who was the original dance captain of 42nd Street on Broadway. And he, yeah, he said, I want you to audition for this show that I'm doing, um, singing in the rain. And I auditioned, and I got it, and that's how I got my EMC card, and I started getting some points with my journey towards equity, which I'm sure we'll discuss later. The next show I did, I did uh, Big Fish, which was very special, too, because I got to see that show during previews on Broadway. And then I got to perform the show with the original costumes and Mm -hmm. set. And that was that was very exciting back then. I also did uh, West Side Story. Um, I played Bernardo in that production. And it actually was an offer from a teacher who had seen me play Bernardo at AMDA and said, I want you to do this professionally because I I know your work.
1: I know your your talent.
0: Exactly, so that was very special. Um, Hector Guerrero who had done it with um, Jerome Robbins back in the day too. So that was very special. Then I got to do this new original show called Empire, which is the Broadway Bound show. and it's about the construction of the Empire State and all the immigrants in, that helped construct it. And when they found out that I'm an immigrant and I'm from Spain, they were like, we need to write a rule a Spanish. We role
1: need for you. you there.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, it was great because they were like, do all your scenes in like Spanish and everything. And then when I booked the job and I got, uh, I got to the first day of rehearsal, they were like, so we did some research and there was no Spanish uh, builder. So like there's a Nikos that's Greek in the show now because of me. And that's great.
1: <laughs> <You know? laughs> and that was really
0: great to have. It yeah. was an original show. So you got the, the writers in the room, there would be changes every day. Um, and that was my first experience to that kind of work, which is my favorite. And I got to do a couple more times afterwards uh but that show we did a two-month run in l.a and then uh they did a reading in new york city that for the people who don't know what a reading is a reading is basically um you perform the show with music stands no choreography no sets no anything it's just a bunch of actors reading the show in front of producers who will eventually um produce the show on broadway or invest in the show for broadway and you get to after that that run we did in LA. Um, they made some changes. So it was a, f- a chance to try those changes out in front of an audience. Um, and it, they did this reading in New York city. So they told me, we'd love for you to do this reading. We can't offer you travel or housing. And I was like, you know what, I'm moving to New York. So that was why, that's the reason I moved to New York.
1: That was a big leap.
0: The big leap, yeah. I mean, it was, it was a bunch of reasons, but that was a, a big. That was my main excuse. We said, "I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna do this. It's I'm ready to read the big city." Exactly, yeah.
1: And what happened to Empire? You did the reading, and what happened?
0: I did the reading. Um, they've been doing. I mean, that's a show that they've been working on for like ten years or something like that. And I know they've had a couple more readings. They offered me one, but I couldn't do it because I was somewhere else doing something. I know there are plans for the future and they wanna they wanna bring it to Broadway or wanna do another production of it. But I haven't really been involved in the show since
1: Since so the reading. Yeah. Okay, let's go back to uh, your visa, your artist visa. How's uh-huh. that going? Because I, I, I know that you've been working on that again lately. Mhm. So Yeah. Give us so an insight about
0: that. So basically, the artist visa that you get, um, you get it for three years. And then um, you have the chance after three years to expand it year after year after year. It's just like an extension of the visa that you have. And if you want to get a new more three years, you have to like kind of start over. And um, i rather start over and ha- get three more years than just keep expanding it for just one year. Because it just makes it trickier for people to hire you and everything. So, Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a tough process. It's a very stressful process, actually. Um, you basically need three, there are like three main things. The first one is your sponsor. That That's gonna be who petitions for you to be in the country. And that can be three things. Either a company, for example, let's say that, um, let's say for example, you're in Lion King in Spain and they love you and they're like, we wanna take you to Broadway. Okay. Then Lion King will be your sponsor, mm-hmm. but you'll only be able to work for Lion King on Broadway. And if something happens to Lion King, all of a sudden, like your visa would get messed up because you can only work for that production. The second option is an agency, which means that your agent sponsors you, and you can do you can freelance as an as an artist as long as you're connected through them, which is what I actually did. Um, and the third option is your agent as an individual instead of a sponsor. Um, which actually can work for more like managers and everything, which is very similar to the, to the agency. It just has a couple more differences. Um, that's the first part the sponsor, mm-hmm. um, for the people that want to be a freelance artist, which most artists want to be. I recommend, um, getting an agency as your sponsor, you know, and you need to let them know when you meet your agents, there's no legal responsibility. They don't have to pay anything, That most of the money comes from you. So that's a good way to win over an agent when you're trying to convince them for that. The second part is a portfolio, which you need to prove that you have uh, extraordinary talent. That's actually the name of the visa, the visa of the extraordinary talent. So you need to prove that you have excellent work in musical theater, if that's what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So awards that you have and reviews that you have. For every job that you do, you basically need a description of the job, whoever you worked for in this job that were like recognized by like awards, like Grammy nominated or Chami nominated, description of the theater. You need your program. You need your contract. You need to scan all your paychecks. You need uh, to print out emails. So for example, I, my visa has 18 projects and that's not even all the projects that I've done. It's just like, I've just selected the most important ones, Yeah. but that, that makes that my visa is like 600 pages plus because i have so much work and that's basically what you need you need to prove that you have you're an excellent artist which means that when you're in every job you know try to get press about yourself
1: Mm -hmm.
0: do the most get out of your way and um, get confident and figure things out so you can get more of a name for yourself you got to prove them that you have extraordinary talent which is why it's hard to get this visa right out of college because with only one year of experience it's not the most and i know a lot of people who they rejected especially with trump has actually Maybe even less people accept it for the visa. But it's not impossible. You just gotta make it work and find a way to make it work. And the last part that you need is an itinerary. And that's one of the hardest parts of the visa is um, getting, uh, you need to prove all all the work that you're gonna do for the next three years. As you know, there is no such thing as three year contract for theater. So yeah, you need to figure things out how to get that. And it's not the easiest, but it's not impossible. You know i've done it a couple times now so it can be done
1: so that would be the best advice you can give to someone that wants to start with that it's sorry it, but not impossible
0: it's yeah it's it's really hard it's very stressful it's not impossible it's a very very stressful thing to do just because it demands so much of you mm-hmm. my best advice is one thing at a time today i'm working on my portfolio and i'm only working my portfolio today i'm working on my agent and i'm only focusing on that if you stress about all of it at the same time, you are going to explode. And I exploded many a times focusing on this visa. So really just do it one thing at a time because it is a lot and it demands a lot of you and it demands asking people for favors. Don't be afraid to, especially if they say, people say no, that people will say no. Don't get frustrated. Just be like, completely understand you are mm-hmm. asking a lot of some people.
1: Yeah. So,
0: um, so just be, be respectful and say, thank you. And, and keep going, keep going. Again, you, it really demands a lot of you. So it's not, it, it really isn't for everyone. It's, it's, it can be a lot for some people. But um, if you're really willing to go there, it can be done.
1: And let's talk about a bit of the challenges in being an equity or union for you. Uh-huh. Because I, I know you're part of uh, equity. Mm-hmm. And what are the challenges of, of being there as an American?
0: Well, I'm part of equity, but they have to approve every job that I do. You know, Equity, um, prioritizes American actors first. So, um, you need, you will need their approval for every show that you do. For the people that don't know, um, Equity has different contracts. So like if you're on Broadway, you're on production contract. If you're on tour, you might be on a seated contract. If you're doing regional work, you could be in Lord. or you can be in cost. If you're off Broadway, you'll be an off-Broadway contract. Every single one of these contracts have different rules that apply for that kind of production. For example, if you're off Broadway and if you're on Broadway, you're going to be paid completely different because of the grandeur or the money behind it. You know every single one of these contracts have very specific rules about people with an artist visa not a green card if you're a green card you're completely fine but uh for with an artist visa so legally the only jobs that you will for sure be able to do really have any rules against you are off broadway and lord contracts the only rules that they have is that they need to they can only hire two people with artist visa per season for everything else, you will need equity's permission. There is a rule in the production contract, which is basically Broadway and big tours, that says that people with artist visas cannot do ensemble work. That is a really hard rule to to fight equity on. I know a lot of people that got denied other chance of being on Broadway mm-hmm. because of this rule. My best advice is uh, keep a good connection with equity. That's, that's really all I can say because It really is case by case because of these rules so when they say you know do a bunch of regional work that they'll say yes to most likely and then send them flowers and and be nice to them so when you get your big chance on broadway equity doesn't stop you they're like oh we know this person because we've approved them a bunch of times before and we know Mm -hmm. they're going to deliver the work so we'll let them do it but um it is a very frustrating process as someone that is an, an artist visa and and for those who don't know the artist visa only lets you work legally as an actor so it is frustrating to be to only be able to do that um performing jobs but then the union stopping you from that that is completely different with um agma agma is the union for the opera and i've worked at the lyric, lyric opera of chicago i worked there last year doing west side story and i'm gonna work hopefully uh in 42nd street and um agma barely has any rules against us artists and the artist visa.
1: Okay, now that you've brought up West Side Story, let's talk about (laughs) that show and Evita, that are two shows that you've done a lot of time. Mm -hmm. Um, What has been the the best experiences in both shows?
0: I mean, I've done West Side Story four times. Uh, My first time was in college. my second time was uh, playing Bernardo, which was hired by the same person who who set up the production college. Um and then I played action in in Barrington Stage production. And then I played Tiger and I understudied Chino at the Lyric Opera. And I mean I, I have special stories about every single one of these productions. Wesley Story is one of the best written shows in musical theater. I mean it's just it's just a masterpiece and getting to work on, on such rich material is always a pleasure. Um What's really interesting about me and a story is that I'm from Spain, you know? And I always say I'm Hispanic, but I'm not Latin. And even though casting directors don't want to listen to that, um, that is my truth, you know? I am Hispanic. I speak Spanish. I am part of a, a Hispanic culture. Uh, and my name is Juan Caballero, which is a very Hispanic name. So people want to put me in the shark side. But I am European. I am from Spain. My skin color is very white.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs>
0: So uh, it is confusing for casting, a lot of times they don't know what to do with me, because I, I do fit both sides. Um, a lot of the times I will get the appointment as, as Bernardo, as, a, as one of the sharks for the audition, and then once they see me dance and once they see, hear me sing, they're like, oh, but he also really works more on the jet, jet side. side, you know? Especially because talking about choreography, the um, it's a lot more Latin Infuse flavor into the choreography at chart side which i don't have in me as much as like the jazz which is like more traditional jazz mm-hmm. so once they see me do that they're like oh wait we'll well we don't know what to do with him but it's i mean it's very special the last production that i did it was a deliberate opera and that theater that opera house is just magnificent it's 3600 seats huge huge stage um it was a 40-piece orchestra and like Hearing that score every single night with a 40 piece orchestra played correctly is insane. It's incredible. You know people would pay to just hear the music with a 40 piece orchestra. Yeah, just by itself. And we got to do a huge production with it. And um, it really was uh, a dream come true and, and I love the, what I love about that production specifically is um, we set it in nowadays. It, 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 it was a production that paid respect to the original but still have it. its takes as, as a new production, you know? Mm-hmm. I, what I loved about it is that, you know, in the original it's in the 50s, so the police really weren't a threat, all the police characters aren't really a threat to these characters. But the production that we did in Chicago, in a city like Chicago that has so much police brutality, we included all of that into the show. Yeah. So, you know, it's a reflection of what's actually happening in the city. And that made it so special.
1: And I know that you've met a lot of friends from that production, from the lyric opera of Chicago. Oh production. my God,
0: that was the most incredible cast! Like we had a blast. It was, it was a dream of a cast. We we really had so much time, so much fun on stage and backstage, and it was a party group. We would go out a lot <laughs> at night. And I see a lot of people from that cast here in New York a lot too. I, I really loved that. That was a very very special production.
1: And now let's jump to Evita.
0: Well, we're talking about, like, Side story, which is like a masterpiece by itself, and, like, book, the music, everything. And then we go to Evita, which is an incredible score. It's an incredible subject matter, but it's a mess of a show, you know? Um, <laughs> I always say that Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice were really high or on some weird drug while they were writing it, because those melodies make no sense, but people love it so much, you know? Um, <laughs> But what's interesting is that the story is not really linear. It's really hard for the audience to to follow. So I've done three productions of it, and it really is about the director filling in the blanks on how to help tell the story. You know, my favorite production that I've ever done of Evita um, was the one I did at the Aslo Rep with Josh Rhodes, who he was the choreographer, director choreographer, who had this magnificent vision for, for the show. He said that um, Eva Perón is Icarus and that she was so thirsty to reach to the sun that she got burned so the whole production was um was a metaphor on on that subject matter mm-hmm. so like at the beginning of the show she was flying down like she was burned from the sun she's sang don't cry from me Argentina behind this perfectly balanced sun in front of the audience he also really he also really understood that like he was a white director telling the story about Hispanic people, so he made yeah. sure that the cast was Hispanic and he made sure that we say Argentina instead of Argentina
1: <laughs> Such a cool detail. Thank you It,
0: it, it, it really is and like it's funny because I just the last production that I did a Evita I did a, a radio interview and uh, with a Hispanic radio interview and that's actually the thing that the interviewer was more Me brought the interviewer to tears because she was like I felt represented on stage Totally, you know? that's why it's so important representation because because for the normal audience viewer you'll just think oh that's a cool way to say Argentina but for Hispanic people to see themselves mm-hmm. represented that way it's empowering and it's emotional you know and he was not afraid to be shy about it even before all the craziness about casting happened you know so that production I'm very proud of I, it was a dream come true to work on something so daring and exciting and we had C Night on on Uh, the music director who rearranged the score and like made it so exciting it was it was a dream come true you know and then i did another production with marshall muldrum dodge who i love and it was kind of the opposite because she was like i don't want any spectacular thing i don't want any shablam you know she really wanted to just focus on the story and making sure the audience understood this very complex character that does some things Mm -hmm. that people will judge her for but then they love her and they hate her, you know, and she came up with the idea of, there's a scene in the, in the not a scene, there's a part of, of Eva's life that um, she was rejected to go to her father's funeral, and she included that in the show when she was a little girl. So um, we had a little girl uh, walk around representing the, the youth and the innocence of Evita and why it was broken, justifying the things that she did. Yeah. So that was very special too, I love. it. was daring. Mar- it's daring, it's, it's, it's amazing, because it it explains why she's doing what she's doing, and especially as a woman, what what she had to do. And that was very special about Marsha too, Is like, you get a, a female director telling that story of a yeah. woman, of a complex woman. And uh, we had Natalie Cortez play um, Eva Peron, and she was phenomenal too. It was, a, it was a good production. And the last production that I did, it was at the Fulton, um, and they basically just wanted to recreate the original, which, if you ask me, doesn't work as well because the original production is a documentary of Eva and it just shows pictures of her in the real life and and mm-hmm. it it doesn't make it interesting, you know? It, it, it is hard to follow the story if you, if you tell it as a doc- documentary instead of just telling it as a story as if you got a new script and you got to make a new production from that script. But yeah, that's my journey with Evita. I love this show. I hate the show. I love working on the show because the subject matter is so, so worth discussing. You know.
1: And now, hopefully, if everything turns out right, you'll be in the production of 42nd Street in The Lyric. At The Lyric Oracle. Opera, right, yeah. Can you tell us something about that show?
0: I mean, it, we're at the midst of this coronavirus craziness. Um, I don't know if it's happening or not. I'm hoping that it will. I haven't done a tap show in a very long time. I'm really, really excited about this production. Um, they did this production at the... Uh, the opera of paris i don't that's not right it's in a theater in, in paris that is very important theater and it's with Stephen Meyer, who does a lot of choreography work in the west end so i'm really excited to work with this new team and, and and to be back in that in that space i mean i had a blast last year in chicago and i can't wait to be back there
1: well hopefully and i know it will you're going uh, so. to be in that production i know that. yeah and one of your recent jobs has been or was with the Jerome Robbins Broadway reunion concert, the 30 year reunion, mm-hmm. how did you end up there? So the
0: production that I did of West Side Story at Barrington stage, um, Rob LaFosse and Nick Garr were the, um, the choreographers, the ones that uh, set out the work for Jerome Robbins' work mm-hmm. in that production. And they invited us, the Jets, to perform Cool and uh, Number From On The Town for that concert, which was so special. Nick Gar and 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 Rob Lafaz, there are people that really knew Jerome Robbins in a in a personal level, yeah. um, not just as artist, and they really understand his style and and his love for character work. Um, and we worked a lot on that when I did the the Barrington production. But but when you get to do the Jerome Robbins, when we got to do the Jerome Robbins reunion concert, uh, being involved in so many artists that actually have taken his choreography and then inserted in their work. You know, um, I mean, you see pieces of Jerome Robbins' Broadway in all of contemporary choreography. I just, I was just auditioning for Hamilton, and I was like, "There's so much West Side Story in this, you know." And like, it's not even like it's part of their identity as a choreographer, but you, they've really learned from someone like him, and he really is a character-based choreographer, and that's what makes it so so special as an as a as an actor being a dancer, because they used to tell that like. Jerome Robbins would, was able to do the dance number cool as every single one of the of the jets and would be completely different. Cause baby John, who is just a little kid that's scared, would dance cool differently than Riff, mm-hmm. who is was so confident and is telling everyone to go down. Who is different than Action, who wants to explode at every chance that he can, you know? And that kind of work is what Jerome Robbins was interested in. And a lot of that gets um it's not as important nowadays because people want to see clean dances more than character-driven dances. So a lot of the productions of West Side Story that are happening nowadays that I, thank God, have not been a part of doing, but they want to turn West Side Story into a ballet. And it's just not what it is, you know? The prologue doesn't work if you have ballet boys dancing. Yeah. You want to see characters fighting and claiming their territory. And it's not about the dance move, it's, it's about the intentions behind it. For example, you know, the iconic pose of Side story, which is the three sharks doing what it's called the shark stake. Um, a lot of productions want that Balmain to be really high. But it really isn't about the Balmain leg that's high. It's about the lower leg that is making the stake. That is, it's like you're, you're putting a knife on the floor mm-hmm. saying, this is my territory. And, and here that's... I am, and
1: here I'm staying.
0: Exactly. So... Um, so it's a bit frustrating when you see Jerome Robbins' work done so ballet. Because he, he was a ballet choreographer as well. He worked for the New York City Ballet. That's actually how he met Rob LaFosse, who's the the person that I work with. Um, but he took all that ballet training and, and he said, like, now let's focus on the character work, you know? Uh, and so that was very special, being in the room with so many people who from that show now are very important choreographers, like Joe Hunter, there's Jerry Mitchell, there's Sergio Trujillo, there's Julio Monge. You know, these are important, these are people that are important in today's musical theater,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and they were all in that room, in that uh, two night concert.
1: It, it's so great that you've talked about Jerome Robbins being a character driven choreographer or creator, mm-hmm. uh, because last term I was working on my thesis project. Last semester I did my thesis project for one of my uh, bachelor's, and I wrote a musical, but one mm-hmm. of the things I was interested in was how could I write dance and I know there are a lot of notations and uh, I, I can draw how I want the dance but what I was interested in was the script making of dance uh, so how did did you get that like script or uh, choreography written down because uh, since it's Jerome Robbins, I think it's really important to bring up or to maintain the original choreography by Jerome. So Uh uh, how how did that work for you in that concert?
0: Well, um, musicals usually, or productions usually have a show bible, which is where, um, the dance captain writes what every single person does in every single show. I know for this particular case with uh, with Jerome Robbins and with, um, was a story the people that were setting it up, they had done it so many times back in the day that it was basically part of their DNA mm. and there were videos of them doing it so when they had questions they looked more at the videos than they would at the Bible. but there is a Bible that exists with all these steps um, and what every of every step means. They just used it only when it was necessary because that choreography is so much part of themselves that they didn't really need it.
1: Okay, great. Now I want to move next to what are what are your top five musical shows?
0: That is such a hard question. <laughs> <'cause> I, <laughs> yeah, know I know. So I hard. mean,
1: for me, on, on my first episode here in the podcast, I did the same exercise, and there are uh-huh. a lot of shows that I love, but I did I, I did pick five, which are like the landmarks for me. Which uh-huh. are those landmarks for you?
0: I mean, landmarks would be different than. Than a favorite, I think, because like West Side Story, for example, it's it's a landmark and it's so it's such a masterpiece. But nowadays it has problems, you know. I, I believe that it's a very jet heavy show instead of the Sharks. And I like nowadays if you're gonna write it, you need to give a voice to the Latinos. For so for me, that that musical is 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 everything. I, I really love doing performing it and and watching it. I think my favorite score is uh, Bridges of Madison County. By just Aurora Brown. I mean, it's just such a romantic and beautiful score, and he really uses um, genre for every character. You know, Francesca, she's from Italy, so she's gonna be more uh, in the Italian operetta style. You know, while Robert is um, is from from America, and so he's using more a full sound. It, it's 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 a very very. I love that score, and it's so character driven as well most of his work like he's one of my favorite composers because of all the character development and smart lyrics and smart chord progressions that he uses um i'd love to do parade one day too just because of the music i love to do dogfight as well that would be great another score that i love uh giant the music i mean that score which is no one knows that show but i always say like if if you're a new writer you need to study the lyrics in that show because you have the perfect balance of what the character wants and the perfect cat um, balance of poetry okay. you know
1: because cool. if, if,
0: if the lyrics are too poetic yeah they go through your head and you don't understand it as an audience member so they have to be the right amount of balance of poetic but straight to the point but if it's too straight to the point it's too simple and yeah. the lyrics are not good then you know so that score for me is a very important one Great yeah.
1: and before we say goodbye Mm -hmm. what is a recommendation you can give us of either a musical or a film or something you've watched lately?
0: The last thing that I've seen that really really shook me was um, The Inheritance, which sadly closed this week, but uh, that show is a love letter to the gay community in New York City and you really felt very represented on stage throughout everything, it talks about AIDS it talks about the presidential um, when Trump became president, it talks about what it's like to just be getting New York City and how trying to make things right. So it 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 really inspired. That was really great theater for me.
1: Cool. Well, Juan, it's been a lovely chat with you. Thank you, you for too. being here. Uh, Thank I'll you. I'll be sure to get you noted when this is published, and I'll leave your Instagram and all your social media down in the description of the episode. Thank you so much. Again, it's been fun Thank you for amazing. having
0: me. Thank you everyone else for listening.
1: And hopefully I will have you back sometime soon. So thank you. Anytime.
0: I'm more than happy to do it.
1: Thank you. So All
0: right. goodbye. Bye.
1: Thank you everyone for being here on another episode of Backstage Talk. Be sure to rate, comment, and share. See you next week. Bye-bye.